I got well I got really worried because I put these pants on because I just wanted to be comfortable and they're like slidey I was like oh no will my goblin perch hold me or am I gonna fall Uh, and carrying my tater tot this winter um they're like little jacket they wear which is super thin because babies don't wear jackets in cars anymore it's not safe yeah you can't buckle their car seat right right so this is like the lightest jacket that I can put on on them uh it is very slippery and then when I'm wearing my slippery jacket I can just feel their little body going (laughs) I'm just like I'm so sorry good good and then I can feel like little hands like death gripping me like you see the pictures of like the baby gorillas like oh no like holding dear life for their mothers when the mothers are like walking along Uh uh-huh and I'm like Oh, I understand now. <laughs> I just imagine like you turning and and the tater tot is gone, but there's like thigh high snow and there's just like a little shape where they fell in and you just hear, good, good, mama. <laughs> <laughs> they did startle me today. I was, uh, I heard the bathroom door open when I was taking a shower, I had just finished. I went to open like the curtain dramatically because I wasn't sure who. And I heard like little pitter patter feet. And then I looked. I don't know why I looked towards the door and there was nobody there. And then I looked down in front of me and I went. Ah! <laughs> and it was Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> I I have been awaiting this momentous occasion. But I got here today and Beth said. Do you want to give Miss Britta a hug? And the tater tot willingly came within a foot of me and just sort of awkwardly leaned against my leg. And I was like, I'll take it. It's a win. I will take it. I was so mad that like other people have gotten hugs from them and I did not. And I see them more often. So we're starting today with a, a, a win. <laughs> I'm taking a W. Oh, I guess let's start officially. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Lake Erie Library. I am Beth. I'm Britta, I think. And uh, today we are discussing Christmas horror movies. Uh, I was just going to say as a small aside, I was just talking to a library patron. And they're like, yeah, I'm switching from horror movies to Christmas movies. And I said, what about Christmas horror movies? ¿Por qué no los dos? (laughs) And then I realized... uh, from you know when we record this and the order of stuff like as much as I don't read Christmas spooky books I do watch Christmas horror movies and there is a much larger subset of those there's so many Christmas horror movies and I'm like you know what that kind of makes sense though there's there's a lot of like kind of spooky elements we've talked about this there's a lot of like spooky elements to Christmas and and just you know like the pagan origins and stuff of like of Christmas like the amalgamation of Christianity is gonna uh, commandeer Yule it's fine it's fine um but yeah like in Europe they have like Krampus they have the Christmas witch they have like so many different legends and lore and so even they have a Christmas spider like I I have a a trauma thing with the Christmas spider. Oh, no. (laughs) Like, you brought it up, and I started to hear, like, the Kill Bill sirens, like, the Ironside (laughs) song in my head. And I was like, oh, no, don't go to the bad place. Come back, come back. I 
I just told uh, Buddy the Elf co-worker that we should get a Christmas spider for the Christmas tree. It's okay. I just might like Danny Torrance like shake if I stare at it because I'm like having some PTSD. I saw some really pretty ones on Instagram. Like they were heavily advertising. They're like, do you like shiny spooky things for the holidays? I'm like, yes. You might like this. Yeah. I mean, I do love spiders. I just... Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't mean to be Phoebe Cates right now, but <laughs> I'm going to be Phoebe Cates right now. And this will all make sense in a little bit. But uh, when I was 10, we're Catholic. I've mentioned that before and we're Polish. So, like, we celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. And then, like, we keep our Christmas tree up into January because you leave it up until after the Feast of the Epiphany when, like, wise men made it to meet little baby jesus mm-hmm. and so we had our, our christmas tree up still and i was like laying on the floor in the living room oh, no. watching are you afraid of the dark and i vividly remember it was the tia and tamara maori one <laughs> and my dad was sitting in his easy chair behind me and I, it was like right next to the christmas tree and he started making these like weird noises and i turned around and he was like moaning and like doing Frankenstein arms. And I thought he was like being funny because we had a Christmas spider ornament on our Christmas tree that my cousin had given us. And then I very quickly realized he wasn't joking around and that something was like horribly wrong. And yelled for my mom and then had to go call 911 because he was having a grand mal seizure. And that is how we found out that my dad had an inoperable brain tumor. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) This is why, like, people are like, wow, Britta, that's so lame that you don't like Christmas. But I have all of these, like, traumatic things tied with it. Yes. And I'm like, leave me alone. I'm allowed to hate it. (laughs) Yes, you are allowed to hate it. I'm sorry. I don't think i knew the christmas spider connection so i apologize now you do and so does everyone else (laughs) those parasocial relationships getting really uncomfortable for some people (laughs) i i don't have any traumatic christmas stories right now but you know life is still happening i'm sure i have room for those yeah Um, i hope not i hope not you never have a traumatic christmas thing um but we are going to talk about Christmas horror. As as we both said, there are a lot of like horrific elements to Christmas. It gets darker earlier. There's um, always that like possibility of being trapped somewhere because of a snowstorm. Yep. And, you know, uh, especially from the modern slasher era, like we love the idea of evil Santa Claus. I think, I really think we came up with evil Santa Claus because... Krampus wasn't prevalent until maybe the past decade, I would say, in American culture. Um, Because we're all so ignorant and just like geographically, like, we don't care about the rest of the world. U.S. is the best. Um, But we have a lot of slasher movies with people dressing up like Santa and doing terrible things. Well, I think that's kind of like falls under the same thing as like clowns or like clowns are meant to be like joyful and so you're expecting one thing but then you get something horrifically the opposite. So like, oh, Santa's supposed to be safe. Like he watches you when you're a kid and like you know, is you tell him what you want and he brings you nice presents. So then when he like shanks you, it's a really bad surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
So, yeah, that's I would say that's a good kind of introduction to Christmas horror. Like, um, I will just briefly honorably mention Christmas Carol. We've already dived into the actual story of a Christmas Carol in a different episode, which you'll we'll listen to it next week. Yes. Um. So I'm not going to get into that, but there's ghosts in that. There's death in that. Like, I feel like it has all the horror elements that you were expecting. Um, but that's not the whole, I'm not going to talk about that today because we go into greater depth already. So got other, got other stuff up my sleeve. I do want to bring up my personal childhood favorite and one that everybody knows and has seen and is like now embraced, but you know, as a kid, I feel like I'm one of the OG kids that was like, yes, this is my personality. (laughs) That is going to be, uh, of course, the nightmare before Christmas. Again, I don't feel like I need to bring up like the plot so much. It's on Freeform. Actually, I don't, I think they put it on during Halloween and not Christmas, but I don't know. Sometimes they get a little loosey-goosey. Yeah, I think they, for the most part, I think it's more like on repeat during the like 31 days of Halloween that mm-hmm. they do. And I guess that is because it primarily takes place in Halloween town. So it does look more Halloween. Yes. Even though it does have Christmas aspects to it. I mean, the whole plot is centrical to to Christmas. And I like to argue because people are always like, it's a Halloween movie. No, it's a Christmas movie. I'm like, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um but I watch like it in s- November and split the difference. I yes, I say watch it in November because it literally takes place from Halloween night until the day of Halloween over the course of November into Christmas. So, of course, aesthetically, like, man, this movie, like, unprecedented for me as a as a Disney kid growing up watching Disney movies. And then all of a sudden there's this movie where, like, in the first, literally the first two minutes of the Halloween song, you see, like, little skeletons literally being hanged on a tree and, like, something, like, Fingers like snakes and spiders in my hair crawling under the bed and a clown with a tearaway I face. Say, I am the clown with the tearaway face. Uh, all very like, holy crap. And then I vividly remember the commercial coming on as a kid being advertised where it's like, what did you get in your sack, Billy? Or your present, Billy. And they, the kid holds up his shrunken head and the parents like scream. Vividly, vividly remember. And this was back in the day for... We are going to age ourselves as aging. What else is new? Yeah, what is aging millennials? But this was back in the day, like, they would show commercials and trailers for, like, it felt like a solid year before the movie, like, came out. So I definitely remember, um, we didn't buy it, but I definitely remember renting it multiple times from our local drugstore when they used to rent VHS tapes. It wasn't until, it wasn't until, like, high school for me that it like started to become like Disney finally it it wasn't released as a Disney movie it was released as Touchstone Pictures which was owned by Disney but they like didn't want to associate cuz it's too spooky but again it was made in 1993 so it's having an anniversary this year it was released in October which does again strengthen that it is a Halloween movie but the plot of it is you have Jack Skellington the Pumpkin King wanting who who loves Halloween does does it up every year for Halloween, but he just feels like something's missing in his life, and he has like a mini existential crisis. Man, we've all been there. So he explores um, with his dog Zero, 
He explores his ghost dog, Zero. <laughs> he explores uh, this, like, further out from Halloween Town, this, like, weird amalgam of trees, and each tree has, like, a holiday shape on it. And the one that catches his eye is a Christmas tree. So he opens the door, and he falls into another Holiday Town, Christmas Town. Um, and he says, my tater tot's favorite, uh, favorite thing, which is, what's this? <laughs> and... Uh, he kind of gets to enjoy the magic of Christmas and he wants to essentially take that and try have Halloween town essentially do Christmas and it doesn't go well. Hence the nightmare before Christmas. And this was, this story is based off of a poem that Tim Burton wrote. Um, it just had Santa Jack Skellington and zero in it. And then, um, they added all the other characters for it. Danny Elfman does the music. Chris Sarandon does the voice of Jack Skellington. I met him. I was very, like, starstruck, of course. He was going to sing, but he couldn't hit the notes. So then Danny Elfman did it. And I was like, honestly, like, good choice. Good choice. And then uh, Catherine O'Hara, of course, does the voice of Sally. Uh, it is Catherine O'Hara singing on the, th on the uh, movie. And it's stop motion animation, so that alone should be impressive. And Tim Burton has come out to say, since it has been such a cultural phenomena that really took off in kind of the latter half of its life, that he doesn't want a sequel to it, which Thank is goodness. Yes, which is good. I think that's probably the best part. But the nice part of that movie is there are like it is it is a, it's it's a movie that has a lot of horror elements that's kind of kid it's a nice kid introduction to kind of horror and let me tell you as i said it alternated something in my brain where i was just like wait i can like spooky things and christmas at the same like i can like both of those things yes hmm. sign me up the other day, other male coworker who is going to start getting mad that he doesn't have a nickname. Coworker scissor hands. Um, and I were talking about our Santa photos that I took at the library. And he had seen the ones you had shared of your tater tot. And he's like, which are glorious, by the way. He was like, I thought she went to like some professional place to have them taken. I didn't realize that was at the library. I was like, yeah, it was all me. Like, kudos to me. Praise me. <laughs> and um, we kind of had this little, like, uh, like for legal reasons, not a real fantasy conversation. Jokes, 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 NSA agents. But we were like, man, we got to, like, kidnap that Santa and start our own, like, photography situation here and make some extra money. And all I could think was like the song about kidnapping. Oh, kidnap the Santa Claus. Again, yeah. Disney do not sue That's us. That's why I didn't sing it because I was like, I don't want to sing more than like what you're allowed to before you hit copyright infringement. So that's all I could think about. So I was thinking about that movie the other day. <laughs> yeah, they, like Santa Claus is kidnapped in that movie. You know, the Sally, who is Jack's friend slash love interest. She's a rag doll, so she literally takes her body apart in order to, and she like kind of commits suicide, but not really because she's a rag doll. She jumps out of like a two-story window, and like her body just like kind of goes and falls apart. I hope you get to keep that noise in mm -hmm. there. Um, 
And then she's like, her one disembodied hand is like coming and like, here, help me sew this one. So there's just a lot of visually, a lot of horror elements to it where, as I said, as a kid, it just really blew my mind that like these things are allowed to kind of coexist together. Because when you watch any other kind of kids movie or like Disney movie as a kid, like, you know, the Wicked Witch or Maleficent are evil and they're bad and they're spooky but like you're not supposed to like them as characters because they're bad um this was the first time that you have like a spooky character that is the hero you're like you're rooting for jack to succeed and then you know when he realizes that you shouldn't culturally appropriate things (laughs) he still tries to make amends which is a good lesson for people to learn so that's my soapbox uh i love nightmare before christmas i am a lightly a nightmare before christmas girly that's not my whole personality but like that was my gateway that was my gateway movie for a life of spookiness uh the first movie i'm gonna talk about is from 2007 and it is p2 oh have you seen i have not seen p2 so it is p2 as in like parking second floor Okay. Uh, the majority of the movie does take place in a parking garage. I think I've seen, I don't know, some sort of listicle on TV where like this is a movie you need to watch. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I forgot about it. Yeah. So it is the story of Angela, played by Rachel Nichols, who is working late on Christmas Eve. And when she finally decides to leave, she goes down to the parking garage to get her car, but it won't start. So she goes to the garage's security guard, Thomas, played by Wes Bentley, who offers to help her. And he like sort of he's really awkward and he kind of casually invites her to dinner, but she refuses. She is supposed to like go meet with her family. It's Christmas Eve. And Thomas knocks Sorry, her out. Wes Bentley, the American Beauty guy? He yes. With the dark hair, light eyes. The bag? Okay. I just had to make sure. I'm trying to picture, like, oh, yes, I find him attractive. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, he was, like, a super good-looking guy, and he was in, like, everything in the early 2000s. So probably same person that you're thinking of. He knocks her out, and when she wakes up, she is in his office, chained to a chair, in different clothes. And she has to fight for her life to get out of the garage. So it is very cat-and-mouse- There's like this whole weird subplot involving like a guy she works with um, that is like kind of ick there. I will like trigger warn you that there is animal death in this. There is like a dog involved. Um, And it's very it is like very much a cat and mouse thing where it's like you you keep thinking like, yes, this is it. She's finally going to get out. And then like something thwarts her again. And there is if you have any kind of fear of elevators there is an (laughs) elevator scene that is pretty traumatic in this but uh overall it's pretty good it keeps a pretty steady pace like it doesn't take long to actually get into the horror elements of it um and it it does have a satisfying ending in my opinion makes you feel great about being a woman in a parking lot right i mean i am always scared of parking garages anyway like Yes, because I'm afraid I'm going to get murdered, but because, like, the last time I parked in a parking garage for, like, a, a show I was in at a theater, 
that I was supposed to get free parking for, the gates wouldn't open to let me out. And I thought I was just going to have to stay in the parking garage forever. (laughs) Like, I just lived there now. So, yeah. I just I would I, rather surface level parking lot. <laughs> I if I have to park in a parking garage, I either want to park at the very tippy top where I'm like exposed to the elements because yeah, I'm at the very tippy top or that's such a long way to have to go to get out though yes. if someone's trying to kill you back. That, that's true. That's, that's so true. many ramps to run down. That's true. <laughs> um or I guess the lowest level towards the entrance, anything after that, especially I just feel like hospital parking garages are the scariest because they just like, let's jam pack people in here. I hate trying to back out in a parking garage too. Yeah, people because come, people come like people whipping just... around corners. Yeah. You're like, okay, Marge, I know you want to go visit your daughter because she's in labor right now, but like chill out. <laughs> like not even like at the hospital, like the one you have to park in parking garages at the one like outdoor shopping center that's pretty close to where we live. And I hate it because mm-hmm. every time there's somebody doing like 80 around a corner in there, like, I'm sorry, you don't need to go that fast to get to Trader Joe's. Like, it's still going to be here in yeah. 15 minutes. Yeah. So that sounds like I want to watch it, but obviously we'll we'll circle back in a year. We'll see what happens by next year. So I'm going to hit us with... A movie that I would say helped really start the slasher genre. So between that, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Cemented with Halloween, you have the slasher as we know it. And the movie I'm going to be discussing is Black Christmas, uh, originally titled Silent Night, Evil Night, and retitled Stranger in the House on television screenings. And it's a Canadian slasher film produced and directed by Bob Clark. Bob Clark, for those of you who don't know, made another movie that has an Ohio connection. Uh, that would be A Christmas Story. You guys love Ralphie? You love all the kind of weird horror elements in that movie? Think Bob Clark. Uh, as I said, has an Ohio connection because it was obviously filmed in Cleveland. Uh, there, there's a museum there you can go visit, right? You can go visit that? Yes. So there's just some controversy over this because the the guy who owned the house was selling it and like everyone wanted to keep it open to the public like there's a huge like race that happens every year that used to be in conjunction with it and um like one of the cast members was like dude sell it to me and like there was like on the news the two of them like screaming at each other in the middle of the street and um (laughs) they just recently announced that one of the uh, one of the people who has worked at the museum for a long time is actually the new owner. They sold oh. it to him, so he is going to keep it open as a museum for people to visit. Well, that's cool. I did not know that. But anyways, back to Bob Clark. Um, so before A Christmas Story, he directed A Black Christmas. Um, this movie got Margot Kidder in it, Olivia Hussey, uh, Keir Dulia... Andrea Martin, sorry if I butcher anybody's names, but this was kind of a, this this was a novel movie at the time, um, but it's about a group of sorority sisters who receive threatening phone calls and are eventually stalked and murdered by a deranged killer during the Christmas season. Uh, it's got a really iconic, like, poster of, like, somebody strapped in a chair with a bag around their head and, like, all these Christmas things, but this movie... 
I personally enjoyed it. I know there's been remakes. I haven't watched any of the remakes because I'm just I'm I have a hard time with remakes because I'm just like, is it going to be as good as the original? Mm, I don't know that. So I haven't watched any of them. So I can't I can't say if they're good. I've watched good. both of the remakes. <laughs> have you seen the original? I have seen the original. Um, I I saw the 2006 remake first. Okay. Because Black Xmas. My yeah, my roommate. Um, my roommate. I don't have a nickname for him. I don't think he's ever gonna listen to this. But if he does, like, hi Kyle. Kyle is like super into horror movies. He goes to all the conventions. Everywhere. I've sent you pictures mm-hmm. that he has like met people that were both super jealous that he's met them before, and he. We were talking about the the remake, and I own the DVD, but it's like a used blockbuster copy, so it's nice. the blue blockbuster DVD with like black Xmas and white on it. But Kyle was like, "Well, we gotta if you watch that, like you need to watch the original." So I think we rented it from Netflix when they still mailed out CD or DVDs. <laughs> I think I still have one of those. I do too. I never returned it. I thought I lost it. Like, I thought it never came to me. Mm-hmm. It was in the same apartment. It was, oh, my God, it's a terrible movie. I don't even know if I want to admit what it was. I don't remember which it, one mine I was. thought that it never arrived because I never saw the little mailer. But our building was notorious for, like, stuff getting stuck in the wrong mailbox and then people not, like, telling you. And they just would, like, throw it in a corner. And then a year later, you'd find your mail. And so I, I was like, Netflix, I never got this. Don't find me for not returning it. And so they took it off my account and sent me a new copy. And then I watched it and returned it. And then I found it. And now oh, I still no. have it because I am too. I was too embarrassed. <laughs> and like now they don't even mail DVDs anymore, no. I don't think. It was Prince of Persia starring Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even a good movie. So we watched the original. And then my main impetus for watching the the 2006 remake was that it had i mean i love michelle trachtenberg and she is in it right harriet the spy that's my girl dawn buffy's little sister but it also had katie cassidy in it who i had this like visceral hatred for and i don't know why (laughs) like i don't feel it anymore but for a significant part of my life like i would see her in something and i wanted to like punch a like a puppy or a baby like looking at her like I was I hated her and so I was like I'm gonna watch this movie because I want to see her get murdered and the same thing (laughs) happened with the Nightmare on Elm Street remake because she was in that as well and I was like yes kill her I hate her so that was my main takeaway (laughs) from the remake and then I also saw the most recent yes remake I have that recorded uh it's all right it definitely i mean it feels very different from the other two and that is like some some story elements make it feel different but also i think it is just a sign of the times that like you you could not make it like the original or the 2006 remake and have people want to pay money to see it because that's just not what like horror audiences are no. paying for nowadays and the 1974 one is a little bit of a slow burn like it starts with like you see you see somebody climb in a window um into the attic of this like sorority house that is getting ready to kind of depart for like christmas vacation and they're having a party and then as soon as they're having the party like this like as soon as you it cuts from the guy getting into the building into the house uh the phone rings and 
the actual telephone, like a rot- a rotary like phone for the entire uh, sorority house because this was before cell phones. It rings and one of them takes the phone call. I believe it's Margot Ketter. And there's like an obscene phone call. It sounds, they call him the moaner. He's making some really like gross noises on the phone. And, you know, she's really cheeky about it. Then uh, the sorority members listen until the person threatens to like kill them. When that happens, like after that, one of them goes to leave while she gets like picked off. So people start getting picked off kind of one by one. I just feel like in general, this is like just a well done kind of elevated you know precursor to slashers it's a bit of a slow burn um you're not really sure who the slasher is and as the girls get picked off one by one um margot kidder's kind of the last one there there is a whole subplot with her and her college boyfriend um and she is pregnant and you find out that she wants to get an abortion so like to me for something that was filmed in 1974 this is extremely progressive yeah uh for the times and he is like so angry in the film which you know you as the audience are like oh he's obviously like the killer like that's they're setting you up for that they do that a little bit in the the newest one as well but it's not um it's not like an abortion story it is Because it is, like, very topical, it is a, like, one of the characters was raped by another college student, and the college is, like, refusing to acknowledge it, and so that is, like, how they kind of equated it in this era. Okay. Um, But then, I think what another, like... (laughs) fun thing about this movie but it's not fun but like you get to the end you're rooting for like the final girl and you know they're trying to trace like the phone calls and stuff like that and they it's like the last twist of this movie is so good um you've heard of the trope like the calls coming from inside the house and i'm not really spoiling anything too too much but because you know that somebody entered in the house at the beginning but this doesn't have like a super happy ending at all and i like i said it's a very good and i think well done kind of precursor to slasher movies so if you're looking for og slasher movie slasher content this would be the movie i would recommend to check out and if you're feeling really ambitious you could just do a movie night and knock out all three i feel like it is do a, they have different the other two have different endings or same ending same ish and then very wildly different okay uh i will say that also in because we we do a lot of pop culture references and one of my favorite things is like oh you know this person from this thing and this thing and this thing um carrie elvez is in the newest oh. one and he's not a nice man in it oh, no. he's not a good character so he- wesley from princess bride is in it I just feel like after Princess Bride, he just made like a very big effort to be in movies that you would not like expect him to be in, like Saw. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, no, you're Robin Hood. Why are you I, being a yeah. terrible human? I'll always love him. He did a run. He did like a recurring character on Psych too, where he's like a an art thief, like a renowned worldwide art thief that they keep running into. And sometimes assisting by accident. Um, I did see him in that Netflix romance movie with Brooke Shields. I it was 
I didn't watch that. It I couldn't handle it. Not. He was great. I it would was do anything for Carrie Elvez, but I won't watch that. <laughs> it was atmospheric, at least. It was very pretty. He did an amazing, during the COVID shutdown, he organized a fundraiser and got 99.9% of the surviving cast of The Princess Bride back to do a full script reading via Zoom Aww. as a fundraiser. And, like, you know, obviously, like, Peter Falk wasn't there because he's right. passed away, but Rob Reiner read The Grandpa, mm-hmm. and then Fred Savage was not involved, which at the time I thought maybe it was a scheduling thing, but then I found out that he's been in trouble lately, so I think maybe it was just that, that mm. they didn't want to associate him with it. Um, but the kid, Finn Wolfhard yeah. read Fred Savage's character, and then they found there was an actor. I can't remember if he's, like, at... there's a personality i don't know if he's like an actor i don't know if they go by they them or if they go by he so i'm sorry if i'm misgendering them but um he is a person with albinism to read the role in the script they're listed as the albino which that's kind of a derogatory way of saying it now like we don't do that people have albinism they're not albinos um, but then there was like a technical difficulty and his mic wasn't working or their mic wasn't working for that whole scene. And I just like felt so sad that oh. like they were doing this like very cool thing and then it kind of fell through. But like everyone was there. Billy Crystal like decorated his background <laughs> to look like Mad Max's shop. Like the six fingered man, Christopher Guest was like zooming in from London at like 2 a.m. Oh. <laughs> for everybody else. Chris Sarandon was there. And Mandy Patinkin was there and like the rest of them are just like having this great time being back together. And Mandy Patinkin is like full on. (laughs) I am in the moment. I am acting. I am an actor. And like I was crying on my bed watching it. That's so nice. So heartwarming. Yeah. (laughs) Now we're going to get back into the horror. Yes. All right. Are we ready for the next one? Yeah. Okay. So my next one up is from 2003. It's Dead End. Okay. I tried to pick some lesser known I, ones. Yeah, I haven't seen this one, so. So your boy Ray Wise is in it. Leland Palmer. Oh, him. <laughs> He's like oh, one him. of the main characters, as is Lynn Shay, oh. who most people would know her as Elise from mm-hmm. Insidious. Um, Alexandra Holden, who she was in a lot of movies in the like late 90s, early 2000s. But the one that I'm going to mention is Sugar and Spice. Do you remember Sugar yes, and Spice with I the cheerleaders do. and the yes. ones pregnant? And who's the boyfriend in Sugar and Spice? James Marsden. <laughs> we haven't mentioned him lately. Oh my God. I, I just... Eventually, I would like James Marston to just. I want this to, to set hear. off a Google alert on his name, yes. and he's like, "What the hell is this shit?" <laughs> and I just want him to maybe become a fan. I don't know. Just send us a T-shirt, man. It doesn't even have to be like a T-shirt of you. Just send us a T-shirt <laughs> or a Christmas card. I take yeah. that. Yeah. So, uh, this is the story of. A family driving to grandma's house on Christmas Eve and the dad played by Ray Wise, Frank, decides that he is bored of their normal route. So he decides to take a shortcut down a wooden road and it's like 
it's like the Pine Barrens of New Jersey wooded road. Like there is nothing out there. Right. There's like kind of this like weird sequence of events that lead to him almost he's like almost falling asleep at the wheel. He <laughs> almost collides with an oncoming car and then they become like horrifically lost because he swerves and is like going down the road and has almost had this accident. And then they are now lost trying to figure out their way back in the correct direction to get to grandma's house. And they pick up this woman played by Amber Smith and she's like out in the like woods by herself. They don't see her car. She's like hitchhiking. She's carrying a baby that's wrapped like swaddled in blankets. And from there, things quickly go downhill. <laughs> I was going to say everything so, is not going great to begin um, with. The route becomes more dark and treacherous the family numbers begin to dwindle oh boy in a series of seemingly connected grisly roadside accidents so you don't see really any of the gore but you see the aftermath of it so it's mostly off screen but there's like a scene where somebody has clearly died horrifically and they are trying to get their cell phone and when they pull it up there is an ear dangling from it <laughs> so it's things like that um was it like a flip phone or because it was 2003 right it was i don't think it was a flip phone i can't remember i think it was just like a little brick like this was like early oh, okay okay blackberry type shaped phones um i was more concerned with the ear honestly but that's fair so it's um you kind of I mean I don't know I I kind of figured it out where it was going early on but I do that a lot so maybe that's just a me thing but I didn't mind watching it get get to where I thought it was going so I think it's worth a watch it's streaming right now I think on Prime so Ooh. I love Ray Weiss, though. Good for him. Good for him. He just exudes dad energy. He he does, but it's also like manic dad energy. It's yeah. not like cool, calm, collected. No, he, it's definitely like our generation's dads. Yeah. <laughs> like dads, well, my parents are older. Like my dad was born in the 40s. So like I'm like, yeah, that's dad energy. <laughs> I'm going to follow you with a really oddball Christmas movie that I don't think a lot of people have heard of, but this has a lot in it. And when I say a lot, I mean, you're going to watch this and go, what the absolute hell is happening? This has Grizzly Adams in it, oh. a.k.a. Dan Haggerty. Okay. This has Nazis in it. Okay. It has incest in it. Well. Uh, it has pagan rituals. Okay. And it has elves in it, because that's the title, Elves. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so, this movie was made in 1989, uh, and it stars, as I said, Dan Haggerty, Deanna Lund, and Ken Carpenter, and it's called Elves. Um, I can tell you that I only remember really one elf actually appearing in this movie, and... It is one of the weirdest just horror movies and Christmas movies I've seen. I I really feel like Dan Haggerty at that point was just like 
I'm not Grizzly Adams anymore. I need to find a paycheck. And when he, I've, so to be fair, I've never watched him as Grizzly Adams. So I don't know what his acting was like on that TV show. Um, but I have seen him in two very B horror movies, Elves. And well, the other one wasn't really a horror movie. It was like a thriller movie. It's called like Macon County something, Macon County something. Anyways, um, <laughs> so Dan Haggerty plays this like grifter and he gets hired as Santa. So he's our hero, but put him aside. Okay, get um, out of here, Grizzly Adams. So then we see this girl named Kristen who is with her friends in a like in the woods and they're doing an anti-Christmas pagan ritual. And then she spills blood and awakens an ancient demonic Christmas elf. What a waste of blood. Yeah. And so you find out because this elf starts causing mischief shenanigans. Um, she mostly is seen with like her brother and her like decrepit looking grandpa. And um, rude. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it'll come into play in a minute. And then it goes back to like Grizzly Adam. So he's, as I said, this grifter who is playing Santa Claus. Um, and my favorite my favorite part of this is he's trying to figure out what is happening and why he goes into this house of this professor. He's interrupting like Christmas Eve dinner type thing. So they're all sitting at this table, this really nice house. And he says it exactly the way I'm going to say it now, which is, Professor, what can you tell me about these elves? <laughs> like, doesn't even knock on the door, busts open and just comes to this professor. <laughs> What is happening? <laughs> it's something you have to watch, maybe inebriated with your friends, but it was entertaining. So anyways, we find out that the elf is something that these neo-Nazis worshipped. And you find out that the grandpa is a former Nazi. And Jesus. Yes. <laughs> and then you find out this is where the incest comes. And I'm sorry if I'm like ruining kind of this plot. I mean, I don't suspect you guys will you know if i were gonna give you two movies to choose from elves and Ernest saved christmas i would give you Ernest every day of the week you're upsetting co-worker scissor hands right now i yeah sorry but anyways you do find out and this is just trigger warning i told you there's incest in it you find out that the grandpa the reason why this spell worked is because the granddaughter Kristen, is the last pure aryan of the race yeah squicky and you find out that the grandpa is not actually her grandpa that is also her dad so yeah that's probably the worst part dan haggerty is entertaining in this there's only one really elf that you see (laughs) (laughs) and uh the christmas elements are all there though lots of decorations dan haggerty i think he is in a santa costume at some point it's the driest delivery of lines I've ever seen in a horror movie. He's like reading them off of like a giant poster board, like just off the camera. That would actually explain the delivery of, Professor, what can you tell me about these elves? Like, no, hello, how are you? Sorry for interrupting your Christmas dinner. Let me just ask you this like off the wall question. Anyways, I have to mention that. My husband, when I was talking about movies that I should mention, he's like, why would you mention that? And I said, because I need to spread the information about the elves because 
I just feel like other people need to share in the B movies I've had to suffer through. Sorry, guys. I'll never get over that one zombie movie that you and your husband had me watch like early in our friendship. It was like an Italian zombie movie. Italian dub zombie movie. Like 48-year-old child. Which I did find out like that's legit. He has like a syndrome. Like the man that played, he has like a syndrome where he's like he never grew. It's different than being like a little person. He has something where. Is it the progen? I don't want to butcher it. But where you age like super rapidly? Might might be, but yeah, that poor that poor guy. That movie, I can't remember. Burial Ground is what it's called. If you guys want a zombie movie, that Progeria might it might be. That's usually like it's usually like little kids who look like really old though, because they age like super quickly. I would I will have to look. I. I don't remember, but he has something, which is why, or he actually was like a grown man playing a 12-year-old yeah, boy. Yeah, I just remember being like, that, sir, that is an adult. Yes. That is an adult playing a child yes. who's being weird about his mom. Incest in that too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like old B-movies either have really terrible sexual assault scenes, and some of them you're just like, what did we just witness? And then other ones have incest in them. And I'm like, I get these are taboo subjects and like we use horror as a lens to escape and explore these dark subjects with like still being safe at home type of thing. But, and I'm not asking for graphic things like that. I don't want that. But why do we have it in every movie? (laughs) Yeah. Gross. It is gross. So that's the worst of the movies I'm going to talk about. I just, I had to get it out there. I just, I need people to, if anything, just watch the scene where he busts in on the professor's dinner because that's gold. Okay. So my next one is from 2016 and it's Better Watch Out. This was also on my list, but I'm glad you're talking about it. Okay. So it is essentially... The the generic summary of it is, on a quiet suburban street, a babysitter must defend a 12-year-old boy from intruders, only to discover it's far from a normal home invasion. So it stars Olivia de Jong and Ed Oxenbolt. If you've seen The Visit, the two siblings from that are also in this, but they are not playing related characters this time. And Levi Miller is the, like, 12-year-old boy that's mentioned. Um... I didn't realize I had to I looked this up today. I didn't realize he was in like the Peter Pan movie and like a wrinkle in time. I said, yes. Oh, such nice, happy film. Yes. He reminds me of a kid that I knew when I was in high school. He was another a girl that I went to high school with, little brother, who did like shows with me. Like we did the music man in high school and so we needed like and Aloysius and like uh, <laughs> like we needed like little kids so we brought them up from the elementary school and he looks exactly like the kid who played my son in that who played oh. Winthrop <laughs> and so I was just that was like what is happening right now Virginia Madsen is the mom in this movie and Patrick Warburton is the dad I love Patrick Warburton so much They're only in it briefly. They leave. The babysitter shows up. The main character boy, played by Levi Miller, is like he has a huge crush on his babysitter. Mm -hmm. His friend's trying to get him to make a move. Um, Which is, as a former babysitter, 
and having something similar happen to me, but like the age difference was a year rather than several years. It's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. Dacre Montgomery, isn't it later as one oh, of the babysitter's yeah, yeah. ex-boyfriends? So that's Billy from Stranger Things. Or, I mean, like, he's been in a ton of movies that I've really enjoyed him in. He was also in, like, the new Power Rangers movies. Yeah. He was in um, the Lonely, is it the Lonely Hearts Club or Broken Hearts Club, where the girl takes all the people's, like, stuff from their exes and makes a museum. Oh, I haven't seen he's that He's adorable one. in that. It's like a rom-com. But he's in it as, like, kind of a shitty ex-boyfriend. <laughs> and... I don't like I don't want to go into anything deeper than that because I don't want to spoil it. But I will say that there is like a part where I thought to myself and like this feels like a 12 year old watched funny games and was like, all right, let's do that. <laughs> like it, it there are parts that I, I still go back and forth on like, was this intentionally meant to be as like bad as it was like this was was this how a person was directed to act or was that like a natural choice and it's just like very cringe because I'm thinking of like with the baseball bat and the hallway okay and the like little like dance but it's like a really bad dance and it's like not an appropriate time for it Mm -hmm. and like it doesn't it's not as cool as the person (laughs) thinks it is because it's not going right so like and like trying to flip the bat and like not quite making it but like grabbing it with the (laughs) other hand and so I don't know and and like dead end, all of the like gore happens off screen yeah. in that as well. You see some of the aftermath. Like there's a lot of like, oh, you see blood dripping, or you see like blood spatter on the wall, or you see a person after the fact from a distance. Right. But you don't see it happen necessarily. It, it does feel more thrillery than like a typical horror movie. Um, but it does, it is a horror movie, definitely. Um, but it also, it also has a twist ending without giving anything away to, I'm trying to think of like, there is a big plot twist that we are definitely hotly avoiding. (laughs) All the, oh, all the Christmas elements I was going to say are there. The house is like beautifully decorated. Um, there's a very strong Home Alone reference. Yes. That's what I was trying to get at without (laughs) ruining ruining the reference a very strong home alone reference like it is it is directly said like oh well in home alone and then Mm -hmm. so yeah on a hot dog real bad (laughs) uh it's yeah i would say it's it's a okay horror movie it's better than elves I had fun. I I kind of avoided it because I I think it got some like bad press when it first came out. Like everyone said it sucked, and so I was like, all right, well I'll watch it later. And then because I was trying to pick like less lesser known ones or maybe less popular ones for this, I gave it a watch. I'm like, oh, that wasn't bad. I like had an okay time with that. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't hate it. I think I just. I can't say anything more about what I dislike about it without giving away the plot twist. So I'll just table that for another time. And then I guess we can I guess we can talk about a different movie. I will start with Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, which to me, when I think of like Christmas horror slasher films, this is quintessentially the movie I think of. Uh, there's a very, very iconic, I will call it an iconic kill scene which 
is funny because Grady Hendrix actually references this in his uh, book, The Final Girl Support Group. I love that. I'm like it. You know, I avoided this movie for a really long time because I was like, oh, it has a it has a reputation like still today. It's considered like video trash almost. Um, So this was this came out in 1984. It was originally called Sleigh Ride, which I think is a good title as well. And tells the story of Billy, a young man who experiences a psychotic break and goes on a murder spree dressed as Santa Claus. So it was pulled from theaters in November of 1984 after a series of protests against the film. It has multiple sequels. Um, If you watch, I'll just make a quick mention of Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. So this picks up right after the first movie. If you watch it, uh, about 80 to 90% of that movie is just, it's literally just Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1. And then there's just new stuff. Like us, a little bit, I want to say maybe 20 minutes of the whole movie is like new. Everything else is literally just the old film sliced into it. Which, you know what, that's fair. Because if you've watched this movie, it is a very solid slasher movie. Um, I... You find out why Billy has a psychotic break and like it's not a secret. And he, you know, he was a little boy and he has a little brother and they're they're in a car and they're like driving home with their parents. And you can tell this is an 80s movie because the baby's in the front seat with the mom. <laughs> There's no seatbelts. It's like an old it's like all like a bench seat. Yes. That like your legs used to stick to in the summertime. Yes. It was uh, released on November 9th, 1984, and then a week after its release. So it was in theaters one week, and it was pulled amidst controversy because people were upset that it had a killer Santa Claus. It was the 80s. It was the Reagan era. Like, nobody could handle that. Billy is five years old when this is happening. So when they do, so they're visiting uh, his catatonic grandma grandpa when they leave the room his grandpa awakens and tells billy to fear santa claus as he punishes the naughty this comes into play so then when they're on their way back home a criminal dressed as santa who had just robbed a liquor store attempts to carjack the family so billy's dad tries to drive away and the santa claus shoots him and then sexually assaults billy's mom before slashing her throat billy flees because he's five years old and he just witnessed his parents getting murdered and he left his baby brother Ricky in the car. Ricky survived. Ricky's fine. So then in three years later they are um, celebrating Christmas in an orphanage run by Mother Superior who is very strict and beats children who misbehaves and considers punishment to be a good thing. So they're in this like orphanage essentially and they have like mother superior just be this like terrible human to them. Like she's a nun and she's just being quite frankly, she's being an asshole to the kids and these two boys, especially thanks Catholicism have, you know, this very traumatic thing happening. And like, she's only emphasizing that like naughty children are punished and stuff like that. So you can imagine Poor Billy, growing up in this orphanage and stuff like that, like, has a little PTSD that he's got to kind of deal with. And then it flashes forward to him being a a grown-up, like an 18-year-old man. 
He's very good looking, by the way. Like, I am not going to lie. I'm a little attracted to Billy in the movie. I'm just like, all right, all right. And he gets a job and he starts to work at a toy store. And he is fine working at the toy store the whole entire, I think he starts in like the spring. He is fine until it's Christmas time. And then he starts to kind of have a panic. And then on circumstances beyond his control, he is kind of forced to be Santa because they don't have a Santa. So he suffers a psychotic break and then starts going on a killing spree. So that's like all of that stuff is like the first first third of the movie. And then the second two parts are kind of the, the what you would consider like a, a slasher movie, a typical slasher. Got it. Um, very much has all the Christmas elements you were expecting, but it's like psychologically you kind of feel for Billy because you're just like, yeah, man, if my uh, parents were murdered and I had to witness it at five years old, I think I'd be pretty messed up too. Not to mention the fact that like I have, you know, this authoritarian like nun beating me anytime I do anything that deviates from what she considers good. Great. <laughs> good times. And we couldn't handle that in the Reagan era because we were too buttoned up for it. Like, we didn't want to have that conversation. I'm like, we should have this conversation. Like, crime is not good. <laughs> and we should be dealing with mental health instead of, like, forcing kids to repress it. Then these bad, terrible things happen. Hmm. Wonder how that works. I, yeah, I like this movie, though. So it's not a feel-good <laughs> slasher movie. And when it ends... It does resolve itself and whatnot, um, but you still have the sequel to contend with. But there is a really great quote from the sequel that I'll say with no context, which is garbage day. And it's said exactly <laughs> like that. Um, again, that movie, that's like the only new material of that part. And then, <laughs> and then it's all pretty much Silent Deadly Night Part 1. Um, and then you have the the kills, which, as I said, it has a famous kill dealing with uh, antlers, and that's all I'll I'll tell without super spoiling anything. I mean, I guess that is a big spoiler, but if you just Google Silent Night, Deadly Night, I'm sure that comes up. And if you've read that Grady Hendrix, yeah, Grady Hendrix book, then you already know what she's talking about because mm -hmm. it's it's also in that book. <laughs> yes, heavily mentioned. There's also remakes to this, but I'm not going to get into those. And there's like m more after. I think there's like four movies in the. We don't need to talk about those. I have seen none of them. If you're going to watch any of them, just watch the first one. Okay. It's traumatic enough. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really sound like something I want to watch, but I might give it a try someday. Still better than Elves. <laughs> For sure. Uh, watch it at home. Have to take breaks in between. Movie. Yes. My next one is actually like brand spanking new. It's from 2023. It's it's a wonderful knife. I love this title already. I got so excited when uh when I went to see Thanksgiving because we were talking about this and I was like it's already like out in theaters and then it it had like a super limited theater run I think oh. like at least around here like I only saw one place was showing it. By the time I saw that they were showing it, it only had like two more days that week that they had scheduled and then there was nothing. And now it went to streaming where you had to pay and now it's free oh, streaming. Great. What are, what are, What is it on? Um, 
Prime, I think. Okay. I think maybe it's either Prime or if you have AMC Plus. Okay. Which I have through Prime. So I I it might not be free for everyone yet, but I think it should be soon. Much like you may have guessed, it is a play on It's a Wonderful Life, which God, I'm such a weird person. Like, I realize, like, telling stories about my childhood, which I honestly (laughs) don't remember much of my childhood, which is, like, a story for a whole other day. I'm sure that's not a good thing. But I, like, really loved It's a Wonderful Life as a kid, which is, like, not a movie that most kids want to watch. It's in black and white. It's Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. It's, like, a really sad Christmas movie, which is why I liked it. I haven't seen that movie. I've seen only bits and pieces. I was introduced to it via Alvin and the Chipmunks, which yeah. their their 90s cartoon special where Alvin is Jimmy Stewart's character. Yeah, so it it's a wonderful life is it's sort of the life story of um this guy who like grew up and never left his small town through a series of events um played by Jimmy Stewart and on Christmas Eve he like wishes that, you know, like he he just wishes that like he was he was never born. He's thinking about um, killing himself by jumping off of a bridge, and this angel named Clarence intervenes and shows him what the world would be like if he never existed. And he realizes that though he doesn't feel like it, he has had a huge impact in the lives of everyone in his town. And he decides, you know, I don't I don't want to die. I want to live. Like I see everything differently now. Like, I, I want to go back and, and, you know, I have this new appreciation for things. And then that's where the, like, really, oh, it's such a twee line. But that's the, like, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings <laughs> comes from. And then, like, Clarence gets his angel wings because he helped. Clarence, Clarence. Yeah, and he's, like, running through the, the town like, oh, Merry Christmas, movie theater. Oh, Merry <laughs> Christmas, Mr. Candy Store. Merry Christmas, everyone. And is, so is the town... Is that town the same town as Back to the Future? Is the same town as Gremlins? Like, is that the same movie backdrop? Um, it could be. I feel like they're all very small town feel, and this also has a small town feel. That is the name in the actual movie is um. So George Bailey in It's a Wonderful Life lives in Bedford Falls. In It's a Wonderful Knife, Winnie, our main character, lives in Angel Falls. Okay. And the beginning of the movie, um, it is, it's Christmas or Christmas Eve. Winnie is, like, going with her brother to a party with all of their friends. It's just kind of a general, like, Christmassy vibe. There's Christmas lights. There's, like, kids making out, whatever. And this masked psychotic killer called the angel who's dressed all in white and looks like some kind of villain bold all in white yeah it's all in white with like a weird opaque mask and this it it's a very strange costume and it feels like something that would have been in like an an american horror story season like it reminds me of like the leather guy from the first one um this this killer is like running amok on Christmas Eve, murdering people, and Winnie saves the town from the killer. So then we flash forward a year, and her life sucks. Like her hmm. family treats her like shit. Oh, the town generally hates her, 
And so she wishes she was never born. And she like sees this weird like Aurora Borealis type thing okay. on the bridge when she wishes this. And she finds herself magically transported to a parallel universe version of her city where no one ever stopped the angel and it has killed multiple people throughout the year. Great. And everything is totally different. And so she has to team up with sort of like the social outcast who everyone just calls weirdo, but her name is Bernie. And the two of them have to work together to A, figure out who is the killer and B, how to get her back to like her reality. Um, Justin Long is in this. And it's very obvious that he's doing a weird Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> like he has fake teeth in it. No. And he's always just like, oh, oh, hello, little girl. Oh, you've been through a trauma. Well, come here. Just let me hug you. Get on in here. How oh are you? All right. So that's weird. Uh, I did the like Leonardo DiCaprio like whistle pointing at the screen <laughs> thing because William B. Davies is in there. And like, I don't know if that means anything to you, Not- but to my little nerd psychopath heart, I looked at him and I was like, the cigarette smoking man from the (laughs) X-Files. And I was so excited. So he's in there. Um, He is actually the grandfather of Winnie's best friend. And uh, Joel McHale plays her dad. I love Joel McHale. I do too. He, so he looks a lot like one of my exes. And that gives me the ick sometimes when I look at him. But I'm like, you are so funny and you are so good looking. And I watched Community in its entirety when I started going back to school because I felt like him. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was so much older than everyone else and I'm back in school like a dork. But he's very good as the dad. And um, it was better than I was expecting. It's not like the best thing I've ever seen, but it's definitely not the worst. And there are like a lot of like, all right, like you obviously saw this coming. Let's do it. It's a wonderful life reference. Mm-hmm. Um, we get some like nice queer rep in this. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't looked into the actors in this movie to see if any of them actually are queer or if this is one of those situations, but it is just like a, and it's not like, oh my God, (laughs) they were roommates. It's not one of those. It's just like, oh yeah, like she's a lesbian. So that's, I I enjoyed that part of it. Um, Aside from like the weird Justin Long teeth and that I kept feeling like this was like a Ryan Murphy situation with mm. the way the killer looked. I think it's worth a watch. All right, well, it's better than elves. That's the standard now. <laughs> this is our new elves is our new uh what was it? Blood uh, was blood, the Thanksgiving blood, one we did blood, blood feast. Blood feast. Oh god. We forgot already. <laughs> we repressed it. <laughs> I will go next with this is of more recent, uh, this is probably my favorite Christmas horror movie that has been released. And um, I actually went to theaters to see this with my mom and my husband. And I remember we the, when we went, I did not wear like Christmas stuff or anything to see it. But I definitely remember seeing it in December and remember being like, ah, I'm like filled with Christmas spirit now. <laughs> But I also remember, like, 
it was unreasonably warm for Ohio where it was like a 55 or 60 degree windy day in December where you're just like, it does not feel like Christmas time. Um, and this movie is very much, I will say for every horror element, it it encapsulates Christmas, I just think, so well on so many different levels. So the film I'm talking about is uh, 2015's Krampus. 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 And it's directed by Michael Doherty, which it took me until I think like two years ago. I think I, I never put the connection of who directed it, but I was like, oh, he directed Trick or Treat. Oh, he's from Columbus. This is why I like this movie so much. And then I'm like, wait a minute. This actually makes a lot of sense of why, like, it's just it's so much incorporated into the movie, like all the holiday aspects. Um, I actually showed the first opening credits scene, the title scene, to our uh, buddy the elf coworker because oh, no. I said, <laughs> "You have to watch this because it it takes." Uh, I think it's is it the most wonderful time of the year? Um, I think so. Which I said I love when Christmas songs are used, kind of ironically in a movie but you just gotta picture this so you have this like very quintessential song of it's the most wonderful time of the year paired with it's essentially it shows kind of a black friday-esque madness of this department and it's this department store is very ubiquitous where it could be like a sam's club it could be a home depot it's got like the coloring of a home depot but the feel of a sam's club it's got a little bit of everything there's a Christmas pageant happening in the back of it. Just people are being nasty to each other. They're taking presents from one another. The workers look dead-eyed because they're just being like screamed at by like these people. And it's it's just a montage of people. See, you see people getting trampled as people are trying to stampede the store. And then it pans back because this is all done in kind of slow motion. Things are being destroyed, like decorations and stuff. People are just literally snatching things. Um, and it pans back to uh, this Christmas pageant and you see these two little boys in Christmas costumes beating the crap out of one another. And then you see like Adam Driver, or not Adam Driver, woo. Uh, Adam Ron- Scott. Adam Scott. Thank you. <laughs> would have been a very different movie if Adam Driver yes. had been in it. Yes, he would have been too young at that point, I think, to be in it. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you? What do you mean, Omi? I think he would have. Yeah, I think he would have been too young, like a fresh, like in his twenties or early twenties. Well, point? he's like forty now, no. so he would have only been in his like late thirties. You know what? I think because he looks so young in Star Wars, I just think that he's lucky you. You just age well, sir. Like when he played in that movie that got uh, parodied and memed all over the marriage story, I was like, him and Scarlett Johansson aren't the same age. And now you're telling me, yes, Beth, they are like the same age. Yeah. I can't handle it. That's where good soup comes from, (laughs) which I use all the time. I just love Adam Driver. Uh, I just love I love Adam Scott too I, I love Adam Scott and I remember when I first saw this movie and Adam Scott was playing against Tony Collette I was like no he's like a baby in Parks and Rec he's young no he's just got that Paul Rudd deal where he doesn't age and I was like he's wearing sweaters am I, a tr- 
attracted to him now? What is happening? Like he plays opposite in uh Big Little Lies with Reese Witherspoon as her like middle aged husband, and yeah. I'm just like, I can't he's um I know you're appropriately cast, but I, I don't I know you're a baby in my brain. He's also uh Amy Poehler's husband on Parks and Rec. Yes. But he still perpetually looks I like I just a- also think it's because I always think Tony Collette is older than she is. Yes. Like, because she's been acting forever. Yeah, and she has kind of looked the same this whole time. Yeah. So like, I, it's not that I'm like, oh, she like looks old. That's not what I'm saying. I just feel it in my brain. I always think she's older than she is. Yes, because she literally she has been acting for like twenty some years. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> um. So, anyways, Tony Collette's in this. She plays the mom. Adam Scott in is in this, and he plays the dad. And uh, they have two kids. Uh. David Kochner, Allison Tolman. David Kochner or Kochner is um for me forever. He's champ from Anchorman. Oh. <laughs> like that's just he is champ in everything that he's in. Um and it's it's got a really good cast in and it. Is it Conchata Farrell that she was the housekeeper on um Two and a Half Men? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and she plays their like grumpy aunt. She's great in it. There's also there is a bulldog in this movie, and I believe the bulldog survives. So yeah, I think Rosie's okay. Rosie's okay. Probably the only person that's okay in that family. Um, without spoiling too much, but anyways, so that's what you open up to is just kind of sheer chaos, and um, the little boy, his name's Max. Um, they live. You know, so it's Sister Beth, Max, older sister, who's like a teen, Max, who's, Max is like at the age, I think he's like 10 or 11, where he's at the age where it's like kind of not cool to like Santa anymore, but like he still is very much into Santa. Yes, yes. And they live with their German, with his German grandma, and they have this beautiful, beautiful home. And Tony Collette. They're getting ready for their relatives to come, and it's Tony Collette's sister. And the sister and her husband and two, well, three daughters um, come with the aunt, and they, they're, you can tell that, like, Max's family is kind of upper middle, upper middle class. They have a very nice two-story house. Everyone has a big bedroom. Like, she has a separate dining room, and there's also a boy cousin. Oh, there is a boy cousin. I forgot about they him. They have the two girls, the two the girls, boy, and, and the, the baby, baby, who's also a so girl. there's four. So there's four kids total, um, and they come in this like super souped up s like truck, and um, you you just get the impression that like the two sisters are at odds. The tensions are high. Tony Collette's trying to make this like beautiful, wonderful family meal. And there's already tension at the table because she serves like Cornish hens and like the the they're like, what is this? Why are you trying to put on airs, essentially? And they don't live like that. And the two girls of the sisters are teenagers and they're both very tomboyish and they don't really mess with the older sister, Beth, but they do pick on Max like quite a bit. So there is a lot of like kind of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation vibes of like Cousin Eddie (laughs) type of like, you know, you're we're going to put up with you, but we don't like it. 
And it quickly takes kind of a dark turn because Max is going to write a letter to Santa and the girls like make fun of him and he angrily uh, tears up the letter and throws it outside into the snow. And this is what summons Krampus. And so if you haven't seen this movie already, I'm sorry, you should. (laughs) Um, But... Pretty pretty much from there, Krampus starts making some Christmas evil magic. Yeah. So there's a snowstorm. There's evil gingerbread men. There's they evil. They're my favorite. They I they're their amazing. names are Lumpy Dumpy and Crumpy. Did you know that? I did not know and that. Seth Green voices one of them. Oh my god! Yeah. Um. So there's evil gingerbread men that attack them. I, this sounds silly, but it is legitimately spooky. It's like like actual cookies that are like luring like people into traps. And then there's like a whole scene with that like a like a flaming car crash, but it's yes. a toy car and it's in like slow motion. And um, there's there is a giant Jack in the Box. A lot of evil toys. Evil toys. So uh, actually, Grady Hendrix would love this, yeah. I think. A lot of terrifying elf masks. A lot of uh, the little elves that follow. Uh, you. So I would say the beauty of this movie is you don't see Krampus in like full monster glory until pretty much the very end of the movie. All you see and all you hear are like giant hooves. Um, you hear like jingling bells, I think, and bells, and it's it's just truly it's like such a well done Christmas horror movie where all of the horror elements and all the Christmas elements go hand in hand. The power goes out in the house, and the toys and the demonic presences of the elves are wreaking havoc, and you know they're just trying to survive. But the family does get kind of picked off one by one, and then. Adam Scott and like his brother-in-law kind of have to team up together to fight off these things. And, you know, the family has to come together to kind of work out differences in order to survive. So it's, as I said, it is one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um, I highly recommend it. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, you should. It's, it's, it does not have a lot of feel good moments in it, but it does have a lot of dark comedy elements, which work perfectly. Like, the dog at one point grabs one of the gingerbread evil gingerbread men and like chews it up like a cookie Mm -hmm. which is like hysterical because at that point they're trying to shoot it with a shotgun and they run out of like shells and you're like oh my god this gingerbread man's gonna murder this person and then the dog comes and saves the day yeah you idiots they're cookies just eat them (laughs) uh so yeah if you you're looking for like a fun christmas horror movie this is this is the one i would choose this is always my recommendation. Similar kind of vibes go to Violent Night, which was from 2022. I remember this one coming out because I was I kind of wanted to see it because of uh, who stars in it. So. Yeah. The stars David Harbour, who some of you may know better as Hopper from Stranger Things, as Santa Claus. Um, it also has Beverly D'Angelo, who is the Amazing. mom from the National Lampoon's Vacation movies. Uh, John Leguizamo is in it. Cam Gigande, who, if you're a Twilight person, he was James. 
The like blonde ponytail vampire. Yes, I know yeah. James. Um, I remember Kim Jigen Day from Burlesque starring Cher and Christina Aguilera. Okay. And two different two different things. Yeah. I did watch Twilight. I did not watch Burlesque. Yeah. So he's he's in it as this sort of like idiot trophy boyfriend of like one of the characters. But it is essentially same vibes. It's like a family get together at Christmas time with a family that does not really spend time together. Your main characters are he's the child of like Beverly D'Angelo and um, his wife and daughter. And they go to this like it's just like rich people, rich people house. It is like a huge mansion on this huge estate with like lots of grounds they have like tons of money. There is like a whole argument over like inheritance type things as you do in families. And essentially on Christmas Eve, amidst all of this, um, a team of mercenaries breaks into the family compound, takes everyone hostage. <laughs> and the only way that they are going to get saved is that Santa is stopping by on his rounds to drop off presents for the kids. So Santa essentially has to save the day like die hard style. It's an action movie more than it is anything else, but there is a lot of murder. So I'm lumping it in here with horror there. The bad guys, which I'm just going to go ahead and say John Leguizamo is like the leader of the bad guys. His character's name is Scrooge. The other bad guys are named Tinsel, Gingerbread, and Candy Cane. What terrible mercenary names. Um, So that's like their code names that they're saying over their like radios. And there is like a a series of like Home Alone booby trap type scenes. There is like this huge like life-size nativity that's clearly meant to have like live animals in it outside that is like the scene of a massacre. (laughs) There is this some somewhat of a twist at the end that I don't want to give away. So like you kind of think it is going one way and then it 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 goes a different way and has like I feel like you will be happy with the ending. You will be satisfied. Um there is a mid credit scene that I would urge everyone to like sit through those first parts of the credits. Sit through the credits always because a lot of people put hard work into this other than just <laughs> the the actors that you see and they don't get credit other than the credits. But if you're streaming it at home, which is how most people watch things now, don't just immediately stop it and go to something else. Watch the mid credit scene and then you can go about your life. And uh, there is a sequel in development. Oh, boy. Well, now I feel like I, I have to watch that. Just watch again. it before the sequel comes out. Calendar year. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm just I'm really just trying to watch. Like, we've just been catching stuff on TV lately because that's where I'm at in this season of life. And so I've seen the same kind of scene of Home Alone now, like, five times already. It was on when I got here. Yeah, where he sits down and he goes, ah, yes, a nice, (laughs) like, mac and cheese. And he's doing his little prayer. And I'm just like... The countdown starting. Yes, and I'm just like, I appreciate this, but I also... I need to watch a different like movie. I would like to. I Your tater tot was into it. Yes. Well, all the violence and stuff. He, I, as I said today, we had in Jean- the tarantula. In the tarantula, um, uh, we 
had Jingle All the Way on, and like that has a whole Santa big shows in that too. So it has a whole thing of Arnold fighting some Santas. Go home, Booster. No one likes you. <laughs> so you know that's one exposure that I finally had to a different movie. But I'm just like I just would like to watch a couple of Christmas movies that aren't Home Alone right now. I'm a little home alone out. I'm surprised they haven't showed a bunch of different ones. Like, I don't know what's happening on TV. I don't know if they're saving it, like, all for the next two weeks or what, but... Who knows? I don't know. I'm not in charge, but if I were, I would say, hey, let's change it up. There's, like, eight billion Christmas movies. There's probably something stupid with streaming rights. Like, it's probably only, oh. like, certain, like, streaming services have the rights to show it, and so, like, regular TV is like, we can't show you anything. We don't want to pay for it. That's fair. That's fair. I didn't think about that. I hate this now. I hate it. Anyways... Uh, moving on, the last movie that I want to talk about that I won, I want to talk about it because this was also a quintessential movie that made and developed Beth's childhood into adulthood. Um, it's also a core like childhood holiday memory for me. <laughs> I'm just the song is in my head now. And uh, I. Yeah, I, I just, I need to put those two things out there. Like, I have vivid memories of watching this with my cousins, and they fell asleep, but I stayed awake, and my mom, like, had it on. And I remember being both, like, extremely intrigued by this movie, but also a little scared. And the movie I am talking about is Gremlins. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, this movie was made in 1984. It's considered American comedy horror. It was directed uh, by Joe Dante, written by Christopher Columbus. You would know who this is because he directed Home Alone and also the first Harry Potter movie, <laughs> um, which thinking about all feel kind of the same, same vibes, same vibes. Um, it starts Zach. Galligan, who uh, I've actually met, he's really nice. Had a very awkward encounter with him because I talked about his uh, other thing I've seen him, his other acting credit I've seen him in, which was a uh, after-school special from the '80s about STDs, and his like celebrity handler was very confused. Which one was it? It wasn't the one with Molly Ringwald, right? No, it was a different one. He he goes all the way with his girlfriend, and she went all the way with somebody else at summer camp, and so he gets uh. She, ha it's like the one STD where like girls can carry it, but they don't know they have it. But it like manifest. I think gonorrhea. I think it, so. Like manifests on guys horrendously. Got it. I just always think of the one where Molly Ringwald gets AIDS. Yeah, she gets HIV, and um, it like what scaremongering bullshit it yes. was. This is all I'm gonna say because yes. I'm like, wow, way to make everyone like hate gay people in the 80s and 90s. This is bullshit. Like, I don't blame the actors in that because they're just trying to get... There's a paycheck, Yeah, man. it's a paycheck. But I was like, it's really hysterical because we watched that and I went, Gremlins, what, what are you doing in here? You don't have, like, a lot of other movies. Why are you in this? And then I'm just like, oh. And so then I bring it up in person because that's how I am. And he's, like, laughing, like, ha, ha, ha. Like, yeah, you know, thanks. And then the handler's like, you have it like what oh, and we're no. like no so be like if i became famous and somebody was like oh my god i watched that movie and driver's ed that was in 3d <laughs> where you got sprayed with a beer and i'd be like wow i remember that thanks 
I looked really skinny in that. Thanks for watching. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, um, Zach Galligan's in it. Phoebe Cates is in it. They're uh, both gorgeous. Yes. It's a- I have huge crushes on both of them in this movie. <laughs> Despite Phoebe Cates' monologue. <laughs> um, Hoyt Axton, Polly, Polly Holiday, and Francis Lee McCain. And uh, Howie Mandel does the voice of Gizmo. So you first see this this guy, um, this white guy in like an Asian like part of like a city, like an it's urban like area, China like a Chinatown. Koreatown. And he gets this little boy this little boy's like come here mister you want like a present so this little boy like lures him into his grandpa's store and essentially sells him this little like critter um under the grandpa's nose and as he's leaving he he is told like by the little boy there's three rules about this critter you know it can't see sunlight that'll kill it uh you can't get it wet and then don't ever, 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 ever feed it after midnight. Nom, nom. So, and then it opens to this like very picturesque, uh, very holiday. Like Christmas is incorporated in ninety percent of this movie. Um, it is very much a Christmas movie. Like without, like without even trying that, it is very much a Christmas movie. Christmas is quintessential to its plot. But it opens up to this beautiful scene of like snow and stuff like that. As I said, the downtown is the same exact backdrop and downtown of Back to the Future. So if you're like, this looks so familiar, it's that's why because you've seen it before. If you've seen Back to the Future, you've been Back to the Future too. You've seen that downtown. Were they filmed like right around the same time? Um. Well, this was filmed in '84, so yes, there. I okay. think a couple years. That apart. makes sense then. When Joe, so I will say as an aside, when Joe Dante first got the Christopher Columbus script, he wanted to film it as like a straight horror movie, and then uh, I believe Christopher or Steven Spielberg was the executive producer and got and was like, no, let's not do that. Excellent um, decision because I don't think it would be as good if it was just a straight horror movie. I, it's but it's got all of the horror elements to it. So I, I think the heart of this comes from the dark comedy of yes, the Gremlins. Yes. So um, the gremlins are based off of like an old kind of uh, legend around World War II. Like you might have heard like people talking about uh, there's uh, folkloric mischievous creatures that cause malfunctions amongst like manufacturing. They call them gremlins. So there's definitely like uh, Tiny Toon adventures and like Looney Tune like cartoons like talking about gremlins. Twilight Zone has like a very famous uh, gremlin like episode, um, the Simpsons parody that. So, anyways, we get this. Uh, Billy gets this uh, present for Christmas, this Mogwai, mm-hmm. and he's taking care of it. Like he's doing a good job. He it sets up like the family. The family he works. At, he's an adult. He works. He lives at home. He works as a banker and he brings his dog to work (laughs) um god i hate the old lady in this movie so much uh so he works as like a banker he works with phoebe cates he lit his mom like stays at home she does like odd jobs here and there his dad is an inventor but he's not like a very good inventor (laughs) uh he's got good ideas he's just not good at executing them 
And so then they get this mogwai and he's taking care of the mogwai and everything seems to be okay. But then, oh, and Corey Feldman's in this movie. I was going to say, baby baby Corey Feldman shows up and ruins everything. And Corey Feldman meets this mogwai and he accidentally gets the mogwai wet. And when he gets the mogwai wet, and this is Gizmo, little fur balls pop off of him and they become also mogwai, but they're not quite right. They're not, like Gizmo's very sweet and inquisitive and nice and... These Mogwai are not. Like, one of them hawks like a giant loogie. It's disgusting. Um, They don't play with Gizmo. And they're just kind of, like, treacherous. And so, uh, unbeknownst to Billy, they trick him into feeding them after midnight. And when they do that, it becomes very, like, pod people. You see these, like, oozy green pods. And they're eggs. And essentially... They because they get fed, they turn into gremlins and then they start wreaking havoc on the small town. I again love this movie. There is a Phoebe Cates uh monologue about why she hates Christmas in, in the middle. So it is like chaos raining down outside, like, there things are on fire, there are gremlins all over their town. People have been murdered by the gremlins at yes. this point. That's it's like it's like considered a family film, but there's definitely there's murders and you see they them happen. They're not blood an and guts. Old woman but... out a window of her house in her like electric lift up her stairs and like you just see her like dead on the ground with her feet in the air. But you're also like good. Yeah, she sucked. I mean, I feel bad for her cats, but but like, so people have been murdered. It is chaos. Like I almost get hit by a car running across the street and out of nowhere, Phoebe Cates is just like, ah, the worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. It was horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. And like goes on this whole monologue about how she and her mom were decorating the tree and her dad didn't come home. So they call and like they think that he just bailed on them. And then like five or six days later, she like is like, it's everything's falling apart. It was snowing outside. So I went to light a fire and that's when I smelled the smell. And they like call the fire department and they think that it's going to be a dead cat or a bird. And instead they pull out her dead dad because he was dressed like Santa coming down the chimney to surprise her with presents. And he broke his neck and died inside the chimney. And she's like, and that's how I found out that Santa Claus wasn't real. And it's like, all right, I'm sorry you went through this trauma, but we don't have time for this shit right now, Phoebe Cates. I don't care how cute you are. Save that for later. Now's not the time. People are dying right now. All right. You're going to get murdered by a gremlin. You're also like Christopher Columbus. What what were you on that you were like, let's add a I very just, dramatic monologue. And it's out of nowhere and it feels so misplaced. And like every time I watch it, I am just like, yes, I am gizmo because he watches it and just has this like <laughs> face and his little ears are like <laughs> and they just fall down. And it's just like. You know, and, and this is after like horrified after the gremlins are like attacking and there's been a whole like montage scene of like Phoebe Cates works at a bar like she volunteer works at a bar because that's what kind of small town this is. And like there's like a flasher gremlin. There's like a gremlin like doing flash dance moves. Yes. They're like hanging off the chandeliers. And I the love the ceiling. one. There's one that's like sitting by himself and there's like oh, jazz music the playing. The film noir gremlin. And then there's like a another gremlin with like a sock up and he's like Yes. <laughs> and I'm always like I would be the gremlin with the sock puppet or maybe the one that's dressed like flash dance doing break dancing 
or maybe the one in the movie theater with the popcorn bucket stuck on his ears. It's just like, <laughs> ha 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 ha. Uh, and yeah, they like go, they go to a movie theater. They're watching Snow White, and they just want to eat like so. Meltdowns. They just want like sugar. So like all of these elements are interspersed wonderfully with like the horror elements. Like for example, when the gremlins first hatch, the mom has to go upstairs, and Billy is like in the the bedroom the attic bedroom like it's definitely the attic but it's like a bedroom and she like as she's going up the stairs it's like her eyes are level with the floor and she can see that all of them have hatched and she's like oh no and then like there's definitely like like she's making cookies christmas cookies in the kitchen and they're trying to attack her she uses like her kitchen utensils to pick them off one by one so she doesn't get killed. Yeah. And then like there's one hiding in the Christmas tree and it's so scary because you're just like, oh my God. Because it like Oops. it just jumps on her through the Christmas tree and you don't see it at first. So you are as startled as Billy's mom is. Yeah. This movie's on my always to watch. Like I actually did watch this Christmas last year during uh my Tater Tots nap time. So Billy has some wild line readings in this movie too, though. Because like... <laughs> When he realizes they've tricked him, he's like, Mom, what's going on here? Like, his mom had anything to do with it. And then when they're at the movie theater, he's like, they're watching Snow White. And they love it. <laughs> I always think that it's just, like, disbelief. Um, And then the special effects in this movie are really good for, like, what they are. Like, there's some stop motion in there. There's some definitely like ooey gooey parts in there where you're just oh like, oh my god, the ending and the like greenhouse is so disgusting. Yes, it reminds me of like the dip from Roger Rabbit. Yes, <laughs> and it's just as I said, this kind of resurgence in popularity. Like, so I didn't have uh, Furbies oh, because I had one against my will and I hated it. I well, I told my mom those are the devil's toy. Like, I did not like those. But I did have like a Furby gizmo mm. and we did eventually hide those in the giant toy box we had because, you know, uh, when those go off in the middle of the night and nobody's around, you're just like, what? What? Yeah, my um, my aunt got them for me and my cousin. And I like hated it because it just annoyed the crap out of me. And it also reminded me of Gremlins. But... I remember like hiding it in my closet and then like my younger cousin was just like, oh, I woke it up and I like yelled at her and then I felt really bad. <laughs> but she still talks about it. She's like, I remember when I woke up your Furby and you screamed at me. <laughs> I just, I don't know how like those were created and they were like, we're going to market these for children. They're going to love them. I don't know. I yeah, I don't know. The The takeaway for me from Gremlins was less like the Furbies, though, and more the like the the like Mogwai voice because it was like, oh, like I can <laughs> like I can do that voice. OK, which then like years later, it came back as like Stitch with mm -hmm. the like. Hanuman's family, which then I said is a gateway to Gollum because you start off as like blur punch blur punch back, and then it's Gollum, Gollum, nasty hobbitses. Like it's as me, I was just like, oh, it is the Mogwai to Gollum pipeline. 
Sorry, dear listeners, again for <laughs> two weeks of impressions in a row. They just, don't know that yet. That's next week. It's just this they're is, gonna get it this week and next week. That's true. It's just this is this is your life now. And then the week before they got don't make me sing. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Listen, this is what happens. It's weird of you to think that podcasters don't have any voice actor background. I don't. It's the same thing. <laughs> It's either that or ASMR. <laughs> That'll be next year on the pod. Yep. <laughs> I'll just start cracking open cans all the time. That'll be our That'll be our Patreon, right? We'll just yeah. do a whole ASMR. It'll be horror Patreon. ASMR. I'll just be sharpening knives. <laughs> That'll quickly derail into like, let's stab a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, All of God. the Foley artist stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, then I will just tailspin deeper off of that one and go to Puka, which is from 2018. This is another installment in the Into the Dark anthology okay. series from Hulu. Um, it's the first season's Christmas episode. And it is about a struggling actor who takes on a seasonal holiday job as the mascot for the year's hottest new toy, Puka. However, after putting the costume on, he develops two personalities, one for himself and one for Puka. And so this is um, Nayasha Hatendi is the guy who plays the actor. And then Dale Dickey's in it, who like... I love Dale Dickey and anything that she shows up in, but she's like his neighbor in this. And it's the puka toy is so a puka is like a Celtic creature um, from folklore that is mischievous, but it's not necessarily good or bad. Like it could signal good luck or bad luck. It has gremlin qualities. It does cause a lot of mischief. Um, It generally appears as some kind of animal. So there is like, the stage play Harvey, which then got made into a movie, yeah. also starring Jimmy Stewart, where that that giant rabbit is a puka. It it's in like Darby O'Gill and the Little People as a horse. Like they used to sometimes they would say that they would appear as horses and they would like trick you into getting on their back and then they would run you miles away from your house and then dump you off as the morning breaks. And then you have to figure out how to get home. So they're not necessarily bad creatures. They just like to cause mischief. Um, my dog's name was Puka, but not because of that. I just thought it was a fun coincidence once I found that out. My dog was named after the dog from Anastasia, <laughs> which that Puka is short for Pushinka, which means fluffy. <laughs> but this Puka is sort of like a giant teddy bear type rabbit creature. Uh, I think it looks more like a Kurnth if anybody is like Slavic and you know what like that looks like. Okay. Um, I'll show Beth a picture after this. They have like Krampus vibes. Because uh, of the thing in Cleveland. Yeah. I, do, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So he has this huge costume on and like he starts to put on the costume and it's kind of um, now it reminds me a little bit of the chapters about the like gorilla puppeting from oh. that Grady Hendrix <laughs> book where like they all kind of became pupkin and forgot what happened the actor progressively loses himself more and more throughout the movie to the point where he's not sure if like things are real or not and like the puka is doing like 
horrific things but Great. he's like did i do that was that the puka like i can't tell the difference anymore um and it it like you just watch the slow descent into mm-hmm. madness essentially mm-hmm. and it's at christmas time and everyone's like losing their minds over this puka toy because it might it it could be good or bad and you don't know which one it's going to be and it like will record you and play back what you say but you don't get to pick what it records so you might be talking to it and just be like hi puka what do you want to do today do you want to play a game with me i love you puka and then like your mom in the background is just like will you clean your goddamn room and it's like will you clean your goddamn room <laughs> like it's so it doesn't you don't get to pick what it records and then other times it might just be like i love you like it can be super sweet or it can be nasty and so it's it's like the tickle me elmo craze for this toy like people are losing it over this weird thing um so i i think this is one of the stronger installments in this like anthology series it does have a sequel called puka kills oh boy so if you really want to watch a follow-up you can i think the first one is the stronger of the two but i think jason bloom is like a producer on this too so it has like some bloom house vibes to it but um that's on hulu that's the into the dark anthology series is on hulu uh, I wanted to talk about Silent Night from 2021. Also a newer movie that I did not realize came out until like this year. Yeah, it stars Kira Knightley and Matthew Good. It also has... Both people I enjoy watching in movies. It also has Roman Griffin Davies, who is the... He's the young actor who was in Jojo Rabbit, the Taika oh, Waititi movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Annabelle Wallace, Lily Rose Depp, and Lucy Punch, who I just, I love her and everything. She was like one of the stepsisters in Into the Woods, I think. And she was like also a stepsister in Ella Enchanted. Okay. She's Esme in the Series of Unfortunate Events Netflix series. Oh, okay, okay. So she's like, she kind of ends up playing these kind of like bitchy mm-hmm. bad guys. Um, but the premise of this story is that Nell and Simon and their three sons are getting ready to welcome like their old school friends and their families for a Christmas gathering at their like huge country estate. Must um, be nice. Very English. <laughs> and everything's perfect except for one thing. Everyone's going to die. So that's all you know going into it. It starts off as just kind of like a weird comedy of manners type situation. Like you can tell that these people were friends at one time, but they've grown apart as adults. And like there are the cliques within the group where it's like, well, we never really liked her. We were only friends with her because you (laughs) liked her. And like it, everyone starts, you start picking up on these subtle hints that there is like something else going on that is not being directly stated. And then once you realize what is actually happening, it is horrific. And it takes on this entirely different tone. And the ending has a twist that then, with what you've just seen, you have to kind of just sit with it for a little bit afterwards. It's definitely a psychological horror. Oh. Um, I think you might have a harder time with it now than you would have in prior years. Okay. But it is well worth a watch. Has very strong, like, Christmas family vibes and, like, bickering family vibes. 
and just like a lot of like beautiful English countryside and accents in it. And then to is, wrap is up, Matthew Good a good character in yes. it because yes, he in horror movies is very hit and miss of like yeah, he, I'm a good guy. I'm a bad guy. He and Kira Knightley like, are the married couple who are hosting everybody. I'm like so he's just attractive no matter what. Yeah, he's like a very good dad. So okay. Um, and then I just want to wrap up with two TV episodes. Okay, that are Christmas horror. So the first one is. An episode of The X-Files. Okay. It's from season six, episode six, How the Ghosts Stole Christmas. So this is from 1998. Oh. And on Christmas Eve, Mulder and Scully stake out a house that's supposedly haunted by the ghosts of two lovers who killed each other in a lover's pact 81 years before. And inside, they find two ghosts who are more than willing to give insight into the relationship and personalities of Mulder and Scully Oh, and are essentially trying to get them to kill each other. (laughs) And they are like trapped inside the house. Like it starts with like Mulder telling her this ghost story and she's Scully. So she doesn't buy it. Right. And as typical Mulder, he's like, okay, well, Merry Christmas. And he goes inside and then she's like, I can't like, where are my keys? I'm locked out of my car. Did he take them? Like this is typically him. So she goes inside to yell at him. And the door slams shut and they can't get out. Oh, no. And then they're in this, like, creepy haunted mansion-esque building. Um, There's supposed to be, like, a huge snowstorm that night. Lily Tomlin and Ed Asner are the ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there is, like, a a death becomes her, like, and I can see right through you (laughs) moment that I love. There's a beautiful library in this house, so like that feels worth mentioning on this um, episode. And it is a standalone episode, so you don't have to watch really any of the other X Files episodes to enjoy it. Like you just have to know that they are FBI agents and that they're partners and work together regularly. Like that's all you need to know going into it. Mulder spooky and Scully. Mulder is- very much believes, and Scully is a skeptic. Yep. That's it. Now you can go watch it. Um, That is also streaming on Hulu. And then the other one, I just rewatched it because I just started a rewatch of Doctor Who. Oh, okay. And it is season one of the like newer Doctor Who. So like 2005. Okay. Uh, This is Eccleston Doctor. My favorite Doctor. So season one, episode three, The Unquiet Dead. Yes. And this is, do you remember this one? I think I do. Is it, are you my mommy? No. No. Okay. Also a really good one. Also spooky. Um, Yes. So this is Rose takes her first trip back in time and they go back to 1869 Cardiff. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Now I remember And they go to a reading from Charles Dickens. But in the middle of the performance, a zombie-like creature interrupts the performance and there's a ghostly apparition. Rose is kidnapped and taken to the home of an undertaker where alien creatures are living in the gaslighting system and taking possession of the dead. Rose manages to get information from Gwyneth, the parlor maid, and that points to her as the central point of contact for the alien being. So it is like essentially Charles Dickens with Christmas zombies. Yes. And then at the end, it is heavily implied that he writes a Christmas carol based on this experience. Yes. Yes, and I think Christopher Eccleston ends up like Merry or like a Happy Christmas for everyone or something like very Charles Dickens esque. Yeah, like the doctor is a huge Charles Dickens fan, and he's like, yes. "What is a fan? What do you mean? I, you are an implement used to cool yourself." <laughs> so yeah, that's that's a fun Christmas time 
they always have great Christmas specials on there, but that is like a mm-hmm. very good like Christmas horror episode of yes. Doctor Who because it's very zombie, spooky, like Victorian era. I was going to say, a lot of the, like that first season had a lot of like spooky kind of The first episode edgier. is like the creepy murder mannequins. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of spooky. And then like once David Tennant, which don't get me wrong, love David Tennant too as the Doctor. There's like way more... <laughs> There's the tragic, devastating ones, and then there's like, let's play Mr. Blue Sky. It's fine. Yeah. I think, I think 11, Matt Smith is like my favorite of the current doctor. Like, I love Christopher Eccleston's because he's my first doctor. That's when I was introduced to the series. But I, I, I too use humor as a coping mechanism for trauma so like the fact that he's so childlike and so goofy and weird coming straight off of like David Tennant's traumatic regeneration I'm just like "Mm -hmm, yep this is me (laughs) (laughs) so I just I want to catch up because there's all this hubbub shenanigans right now about the newest episode and everybody's up in arms about it because they suck and so I um, was like, well, I'll just, I'll do a little, I'll do a little catch up. That's my. A little, a little catch up. There are shorter seasons than like a American TV. All right. So I, I'm just going to, that's my month that I have off from school after this week. I just got to truck it through <laughs> and then I can just watch some Doctor Who. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could get back into it. I just don't have. I don't have time ever to watch anything. Well, that's why I have to watch everything in this month because this is the only time I have any time to do anything and then I don't have a life again. Fair enough. So uh, I just want to say thank you again for listening to all of our movies. Uh, There's definitely ones we did not touch and that's because this is already two hours long. So, you know, ooh, my tummy's grumbling. Um... (laughs) Sorry if you have to edit that out. I, it probably didn't even show up on there. So, uh, you know, if there's movies that you want us to mention next time, next year, let us know. Or if there's movies that you're like, yes, that was a great Christmas movie. Or like, Beth, why did you mention elves? Ew. Um, <laughs> let us know. Uh, feel free to share with us on social media. Or, you know what? I haven't checked our, our Gmail, so I don't know if I don't even know if that I don't know if that episode is aired when we like had our little existential moment about email if you haven't realized this yet we record in advance and sometimes we air episodes in a different order than we recorded them yep sorry guys that's just how life happens but that's what uh, happens when Britta has one day off and that's when we record (laughs) yeah so yeah uh if you want to contact us let us know uh, feel free to go on our social media and uh, we are on once again we are on instagram lake erie library and we're also on facebook you can just search lake erie library and we should come up and we are now where all the podcasts are available and we are still working on other social media things we keep teasing tiktok but i don't see it happening until like maybe next summer because again i I don't have time. I'm never home. That's so fair. I'm usually frantically editing episodes at like 11 p.m. to have them go live at midnight on a Saturday night. So, and it gives me time to mentally prepare. So, for for all the fun interactions we'll have. 
Um, but yeah, if you feel, feel free to check us out. I hope you guys are having a good holiday season. Hopefully you get to watch some spooky horror movies that are holiday-esque. Hopefully you are not burnt out by now on just all the holiday madness. And hopefully you've been able to eat your fair share of Christmas or other holiday treats. Uh, I know I have some baking in my future, so that's going to be great. We'll check in with me next week and see how things are going. I, I for sure feel like my Lois Griffin stage is coming on soon. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't as of this recording, but it's going to happen this month. It just hasn't happened yet. I'm going to climb back up my mountain of trash to Mount Crumpet, where everybody dumps their garbage and and stay up there also when i was watching gremlins recently my cat was way too interested into <laughs> it for like my i'm uncomfortable with how interested he was like i i have long sus- suspected that he is an alien creature but i think he might be like some new age version of like a mogwai and he's just like ah yes i should get wet and eat after midnight and then murder people but <laughs> I'm coming home. Yeah, that'll be he's he's my max. I don't think he'd let me put a like a stick antler on him, but we'll see. So, yeah, uh, feel free to check us out on any of our social media. Thanks to our spooky sponsor. Yes. Happy holiday season to you. And yeah, for everybody else, uh, stay spooky, friends. 